Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Today, I'm reacting still from the news that happened over this past weekend. OBJ signing with the Ravens. What does that mean for the Ravens? Lamar? The Jets who were interested in him? Then, NBA play-in started last night. T-Wolves, Lakers, Hawks, Heat. I go break down what happened there. I preview tonight's Bulls, Raptors, Thunder, Pelicans. And then is the NHL regular season is coming to a close. I talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. And then I wrap up with the Masters, my reaction to that. So let's start with Odell Beckham Jr. signing with the Ravens. I was absolutely shocked by this deal uh, that the um, Ravens gave him a $15 million contract with up to 18, could be up to 18 million in incentives. I believe if, you know, he meets a catch limit, touchdown limit, and yard limit, excuse me, or uh, if he leads a team in all three of those categories. So again, very surprised that at a base minimum, $15 million. And some friends that I've talked to as well were also shocked about uh, him getting so much money for having uh, two ACL surgeries for being um, sort of a diva. And I agreed. I thought, I don't know, that just seems like a lot of money. And I don't know why. the Ravens would be so on board to sign him. I know they've had their problems at drafting receivers in the past, so they thought, why not get the surefire one? But OBJ, uh, I don't know why he'd sign there. Lamar might not be back. I know they're good friends and they probably talk, but a deal with Lamar is not gotten done. I don't know if it sits well with Lamar that he's getting – you know, more than half of what I get. I'm scheduled to make $32 million on a non-exclusive franchise tag where I can still negotiate with other teams. And they just gave him $15 million upwards to $18 million. Uh, what about me? What money do you have left for me? I'm saying if I'm Lamar. Uh, so I think it is interesting that Odell went there. Uh, he was supposed to uh, meet with the Jets uh, on Monday, uh, but the Ravens gave him this contract. Uh, the OBJ gave the Jets a chance to match it, and the Jets said no, 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 no. And I think that's a very smart move by the Jets. Obviously, that would have been a very nice number two weapon to have, considering Garrett Wilson is their number one. They already have McCole Hardman and... Um, there and Alan Lazard signed. So OBJ could have really, I thought, fit in nicely with a strong receiver group where he wasn't going to be tapped to be the number one guy with all this pressure. Now in Baltimore, he's tasked to be the number one guy. He's going to be the number one option. Yes, they have Mark Andrews, but he is the number one wide receiver on the team. Again, very interesting to me that he'd go there without Lamar Jackson. 
signed to a long-term deal there yet. Maybe they'll both play one-year deals and get out of Baltimore. Who knows? But, again, I think it's very interesting. Then it's also interesting because the Jets, obviously, were interested in Odell Beckham. But now we're not going to go after him. Uh, now there's been rumors, sources, that the Jets are reportedly interested taking the tires on DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I like this move. To me, this would be a smarter move than uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, because he's much more consistent. Uh, yes, he has a couple of nagging injuries, but it's really this past year he was suspended the first half of the season. Didn't miss a game after that. The year before is when he had uh, missed really the second half of the season. Uh, with injuries, but before that, he's been an Ironman, uh, four Pro Bowls to Odell Beckham's three, and he has made actually five Pro Bowls to Odell Beckham's three, and three first-team All-Pros to Odell Beckham's zero. So I think this is a big one for uh, the Jets if they were to somehow go after him and get him, especially considering the Packers were interested in D-Hop last year, trying to get him to uh, play with Aaron Rodgers. I think this would be a big, big win for the Packers and a much better fit if you were to somehow uh, shift gears, uh, move off of OBJ and go after D-Hop. Uh, again, the Cardinals aren't going anywhere, 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 anytime fast. So I think... D-Hop, Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets. Now that's a good sign. I like that. To me, that makes sense. Uh, is a number two with Aaron's system. A veteran receiver like D-Hop that can ball out. I think that's a much better fit for this team than OBJ would. He's less diva as well than OBJ. Again, he's only 30 years old, so I think this fits. For this team, this franchise, uh, this kind of direction now on uh, winning this year, next year. So I think if I'm the Jets, I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm trying to get uh, D Hop as well. I'm I'm trying to load up on talent for these next two years, making a serious run at a championship. Now I want to talk about the NBA play-in. Yesterday were the two seven versus eight seed matchups, and both of them were filled with some drama. I'm going to talk about the T-Wolves Lakers first. So Timberwolves were without Rudy Gobert and McDaniel uh, last night. Mc uh, Gobert suspended for the open-handed shove to his teammate Kyle Anderson. Uh, so he didn't play last night uh, in this really thrilling game. Uh, not great offensively, but again, to me, it was a very, very fun watch. Uh, that The Timberwolves were sort of up the whole game. Carl Anthony Towns, uh, I thought, played really well until he got into some foul trouble in the fourth quarter and 
played cautious after that, and they kind of took him out of the game for that stretch as well. Uh, but I got to give credit to the Lakers, LeBron, uh, playing your all-out in this play-in game. Uh, I know people like to say that now that the play-in is here, that, oh, they barely made the play-in. They're a, they're a play-in team. Uh, they're playing like this. But guess what? If we were to have played this five years ago, there was no play-in tournament. There wouldn't be this discussion because the Lakers would have already clinched a playoff spot with a seventh with a seventh seed already. There'd be no playing tournament. They would have clinched a seventh spot, and uh, we wouldn't kind of, or I, not me, but some people wouldn't joke around about these play-in matchups. But you still got to play hard because you could possibly drop to the eighth seed or possibly even drop out to the playoffs. So to me, the Lakers played uh, with a sense of urgency a sense of desperation. Uh, I thought LeBron was very good. Uh, All game, he controlled the game the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, I thought he pressed a bit much on his passes, trying to set people up too much. He made a very clutch three to tie the game at 95, uh, the pass to Dennis Schroeder. But overall, I thought he was good, even though the box score indicated he was a minus 14. him and Vanderbilt were a minus 12 uh, as well. But Dennis Schroeder, to me, was the MVP of the game. He had 21 points, uh, plus 22. He was fantastic. Rui was fantastic uh, as well. The bench provided uh, a much-needed spark. Uh, they had like 40 bench points uh, last night. That's terrific. That'll get the job done. The, the defensive uh, work as well. Uh, the Lakers didn't shoot the ball well. The Timberwolves shot the ball much better uh, than the Lakers, especially three thirty-nine percent to thirty-two percent. But the key was the fourth quarter defense. Up until uh, AD foul at the end of the game to send Mike Conley to the free throw line to tie the game up with three free throws, they had nine points in the fourth quarter. In 12 minutes, they had nine points. Uh, great Laker defense. Uh, again, mixed with some bad Minnesota offense, but the Lakers were a good team. They dominated the boards 48-37. to 37. 12 offensive rebounds to Minnesota's four. Those second chance points are bigs. Uh, were big. Minnesota turned the ball over just so much. Uh, 24 turnovers. That ain't going to get it done. Uh, and then 26 fouls as well, uh, up by 15. That's a game you got to close out. They did it. I like the resilience by this Laker team. Very good team. Uh, very, I think, talented in post-trade deadline, one of the best defensive teams. And I like their depth. Uh, I like the two big men, AD, playing 43 minutes. Uh, gets banged up, but I feel like he is playing through pain. Uh, he's had this narrative on him that he's a soft player. Uh, I think he is trying to change that narrative where he gets bumped or dinged where maybe the coach would sub him out or he'd go back in the training room. He's fighting through some of the pain now, and I respect that from AD. LeBron at 38 years old playing 45 minutes, which uh, led either team in minutes played for a player. He was great. 
D'Lo, very poor shooting night. I think he'll be better in the future. Um, Malik Beasley as well didn't play well. Uh, but again, I think he'll play better in the future. And then their other best players, Dennis Schroeder, Troy Brown, Rui, uh, Hachimura, I thought were good. And of course, Austin Reeves is one of their better hustle players, do it all on the court. So this Lakers team was good. They won this game. Yes, you can say Minnesota choked it away. Uh, they didn't play well down the stretch, but the Lakers defense uh, really clamping up on them. Uh, LeBron being one of the greatest postseason players, if not the greatest postseason player in NBA playoff history. That's certainly a plus to have on your team. His hustle at the end of the game as well, diving for loose balls. That's the effort that I like to see this time of year. Uh, and that's thought the Lakers. Uh, this was a good win uh, because now they get a four-day break. They get Wednesday through Saturday off before they play again on Sunday. So I think there is such a thing as too much rest. Uh, teams like the Suns and Grizzlies having a full week off, uh, not playing meaningful basketball, especially the uh, Grizzlies uh, as of late. I think this will benefit uh, the Lakers playing meaningful basketball, having, yes, four days off, but not having too much time off, I think is good as well. So, again, Lakers like the win, like the effort. Uh, good win for them. Now Minnesota has a do-or-die game on Friday night against the winner of the Pelicans and Thunder. Uh, tonight. Next matchup, Hawks and Heat. The Heat folded. Oh, they did. Uh, I thought this was interesting because I was riding, riding the Heat wave. Really high on the Heat here. And they let me down. Gotta say, very disappointed. Especially considering uh, the rumors that came out uh, yesterday, uh, on Trey Young, and is he gonna get traded this offseason? The management gave him the, gave the team a green light to trade Trey Young, uh, if a good opportunity presented itself. Uh, and he, the question is, how do you respond to something like that? And I thought he responded very well. Uh, 25 points, uh, what? Eight rebounds, seven assists. Very good. Clint Capella, uh, 21 rebounds. Uh, this whole team responded. Uh, a lot of talk going into this game on how the Heat dominated this season, how the Miami Heat, um, you know, just dogged them in the postseason last year. And, you know, shame on me for not seeing this coming. This is one of those games uh, Trey Young will shoot the lights out. Uh, in the Sparkest team to a win, uh, with sort of that outside pressure, outside noise coming in at them. In Atlanta, they lived up to the expectations, uh, that, hey, we're a good basketball team. You know, we're only a couple years removed from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So good win for them. I was very surprised, but you can definitely tell, uh, that the Hawks wanted it more. Uh, outside of Kyle, Kyle Lowry coming off the bench for Miami, 33 points. All pathetic. Tyler Hero, uh, 26 was just all right, but he took 23 shots to get there. 
uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, 19 shots to get 21 points was inefficient. Uh, so was Bam. Vincent Struess, non-existent. Uh, Duncan Robinson didn't even see any playing time. Uh, and again, rebounds. 63 rebounds to 39 for the Heat. It's not something we hear much about the Heat getting out-rebounded and really not playing as tough as they usually do. 22 offensive rebounds for the Hawks to 6 for Miami. A 22-6 to six ratio. Uh, anytime a team, I think, has that big of an advantage on the glass, you're usually going to win that game. So I tip my hat to the Hawks because I wasn't expecting this, but they played extremely well. They shot the ball well. Uh, they didn't shoot the three uh, well at all. I'm not. I won't give them props for anything like that because they were ten of forty-one, twenty-five percent, uh, and even from a free throw line, they were fifty-nine percent, uh, just as worse from there. Uh, but again, if you're going to out rebound a team like that, if you're going to want that game more, then guess what? You'll win it. And again, like I said. To have known that even considering last year, uh, they had to win a game against the you know Cavs to get in to the playoffs, and they did that as well. So again, I'll tip my hat to the Hawks. Congratulations. Uh, he, Jimmy Butler said they were going to have to play the exact opposite of what they did last night if they're going to win that game on Friday night, and I agree with him. Uh, something's going to have to change this. Flip is going to have to be set. And they might like the matchup more with the Bucks, considering they've had postseason success against the Bucks and not uh, against the Celtics last year. So maybe it'll work out for them. Again, I highly doubt it because I don't think either of these two teams uh, that they'll play Bucks or he or Bucks or Celtics. Uh, pose any, uh, you know, nonsense. You're not going to fool around against these lowly teams like the Heat or the Hawks. Come playoff time, they'll be locked in, and it'll be a nice quick series for either team that plays those two teams. But time to preview tonight's playing games. First, Bulls-Thunder. Or, Bulls-Raptors. This one's interesting because it's two very... Uh, sort of, you know, from a record-wise, evenly matched teams. Bulls 40 and 42. Raptors 41 and 41. Uh, Raptors, you know, offensive rebound leader, Jacob Patel right there. Uh, I think going up against Nikola Vucevic against uh, Bulls is a, is a good matchup. I like Pascal Siakam. In this matchup, you know, the Raptors are 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. The Bulls are 6-4. and four. I like Nick Nurse, head coach of the Raptors, uh, who's been in tough situations um, like this. But the key is, how healthy is OG Ananobi going to be tonight and Fred Van Fleet? I'm worried about that. And then uh, since Patrick Beverly has gone to the Bulls, they've played with a spark. He plays with a spark. And I think Patrick Beverly is going to play with uh, a spark tonight, even going to play with a chip on his shoulder, uh, considering uh, he's kind of the, I don't know what you call it, I don't know if it's a play-in meme, 
Uh, but last year when he was on the Timberwolves and the Timberwolves won the playing matchup and he's jumping on the scores table, throwing the jersey, crying like he just won the championship. Uh, again, I thought it was a bit much, but uh, I think he relishes these these play-in type games. So I don't know why the Toronto six-point favorites. Uh, I think Chicago's in this team matchup well. Uh, I don't think they should be as high favorites. And I think the Bulls surprise, uh, and they beat the Raptors tonight. Uh, Nick Nurse, coach of Raptors, who I like, he's also contemplating his future with the organization. Uh, you know, things like that. I don't like generally going into playoff games, uh, kind of that stuff coming out, uh, leaked or not, before big games like this. And the next Thunder Pelicans. Pelicans are five-and-a-half-point favorites. And, again, some noise comes out before the game that I just don't like. Uh, and it's regarding the Pelicans and Zion Williamson. Uh, it's been reported that the doctors from New Orleans have cleared him, but his internal medical, his internal camp uh, hasn't told him to go out and play yet, which has bothered some of the players on New Orleans. So, again, I don't like that. Uh, that kind of outside noise either. Uh, Zion Williamson, is he going to play or not? Everybody's concerned about Zion. Uh, CJ McCollum playing with a hurt thumb. And then I don't like how New Orleans lost uh, their last game at all against the Pelicans, where they could have, or against the T Wolves, where they could have been the eight seed. But instead, they kind of collapsed in the fourth quarter, even though Brandon Ingram dropped 42. And they lost to the Thunder. I think the Thunder are playing with house money. Yeah, they are, might be kind of lucky to be here because the Mavericks kind of tanked on the season and quit. Uh, but I think SGA is a superstar. Shea Gilgis Alexander, terrific. Um, I think he's going to carry them to a win tonight. Uh, they're a very young team. Again, playing house money. Nobody expects much from them. I don't, but I think the Thunder, and this is a team to watch out for, um, you know, not this year, but moving forward. Uh, this team reminds me a bit of that younger Memphis Grizzlies team from two years ago where uh, they did win two playing games in wonder. Uh, first one, and then they beat the Warriors to eliminate them and be that eight spot. So I like that about this team. Again, I think Shea is fantastic. I don't think it should be a very high-scoring game. Uh, but if you look at their season series so far, uh, Pelicans have won it 2-1, but it's been close. Uh, one of those wins was an overtime by three. The other one was another one by three points, 103-100. And then the Thunder won a close one uh, last time they played last month. So two evenly matched teams again in this play-in scenario. Uh, but I like SGA, Shea Gilgis to carry uh, the Thunder to a win and eliminate uh, the Pelicans this year. Now moving on to some NHL. I haven't talked about the NHL in a while on here. And to be honest with you, I'm usually a big hockey fan. I watch quite a few Penguins games, being a big Penguins fan that I am. But I don't know why, but this year... Just didn't do it for me. I have 
followed my Pittsburgh Penguins, still, uh, you know, being a fan of them as long as I can uh, remember. So, you know, ever since I was a kid watching um, Sidney Crosby and all those guys, I mean, that's just something I've, I've always watched them making the playoffs uh, 16 years in a row. Uh, longest active NHL streak is very impressive. Uh, again, it could be 17, but it's not likely because this is what needs to happen. They should have beat the Blackhawks last night, uh, and they didn't win, got shot 5-2 at home, your final home game, and now... There's one playoff spot left in the East. It's between the Islanders and Pittsburgh. And Islanders need to lose tonight in regulation. If it goes to overtime and they lose with tiebreakers, they'll eliminate the Penguins. So the Islanders need to lose to the Canadians, which is very unlikely. And then the Penguins need to win tomorrow. So I think the, the ESPN, FBI, the odds, it's Islanders have an 86% chance of making the playoffs. Now, I talked quite a bit about this last year um, for my Penguins uh, when I was talking about them when they made the playoffs against that Rangers series, and they kind of doubled down on it in the offseason, and it's just that they're an old team. Uh, my biggest, you know, pain point I have with them is I did not want them to re-sign Gino against Malkin. I know how beloved... Uh, he is to the city, to the Penguins organization. But I said, it's time to cut ties. You don't want to pay a 36-year-old uh, big money when you he's clearly lost his step. It's been evident, but you want to keep the core together. So that was their first big decision. Uh, and they're just they're the oldest team in the NHL, and they're too old. Jeff Carter, 38 years old. Sidney Crosby is still one of the best players in the NHL. He hasn't lost his step. He's kind of like LeBron, but he's 35. Mikhail Granlund, 31. Jake Gensel, who's terrific. He's only 28. He's, he's great. Again, Evgeny Malkin, 36. Richard Raquel, uh, 29. Great player they got. Uh, then you look at some of their wings. Um, Brian Rust already looks like on the wrong side of 30. So does Jason Zucker as well. Defense, Brian Dumoulin, showing signs of age already at 31. Uh, Kulikov, 32. Jeff Petrie, 35. Chris Letang, 35. Chad Ruweedle, 32. Uh, Rutta, 32. A lot of old players on this roster. And when you look at the great NHL teams, it's you have some experience, but it's mostly an inflection uh, of youth. It's the... Uh, Carolina Hurricanes with Smeshnikov and Aho. It's the Avalanche with Landeskog and McKinnon, Edmonton, Leon Dreisaitl, and Connor McDavid. Uh, the LA Kings are all young. The Seattle Kraken's a very young team. Um, Toronto, Mitch Martiner, and uh, Austin Matthews. Uh, Tampa Bay again has some young players. Uh, Braden Points mixed with some older players like the Steven Stamkos. The Rangers, again, have a balance. The Devils, very young team. The Jack Hughes and Nico Heeshier. Uh 
So again, the Penguins did it to themselves. Of course, I'm rooting for the Islanders to lose tonight and the Penguins win tomorrow. So I had that uh, unenviable matchup with the Boston Bruins in the first round, but it's sad now. There's, you know, people I read should be fired. Ron Hextall, the, the GM, because again, I think he made some bad decisions doubling down on older players when you need younger options. Uh, again, it's sad, but now I want to kind of shift gears to the Boston Bruins, uh, who have broken the NHL points record, the NHL wins record. Uh, some comparison to that Lightning team only three years ago, but to me this Bruins team uh, is very different than that Lightning team that got swept in the first round by the Blue Jackets. Now that uh, Lightning team didn't have a lot of experience. They had some from the um, 2015 finals, which they lost in the Stanley Cup finals to the Aval- or to the Blackhawks. Uh, but then years later, they got some uh, veteran pieces, and they, they had a great 61-2-1 team uh, and got swept. And then all their playoff success was really after that when they won back-to-back finals. Now, to me, this is different with the Bruins because the Bruins, uh, the core, the two core of this team, the Patrice Bergeron, the Brad Marchand, they won a finals in 2011. Yes, it's been 12 years, but they've won the finals. Uh, they've been to the finals as well. They've lost to the Blackhawks. They lost to the Blues a few years ago. So this team, to me, has the perfect balance of the Patrice Bergeron, the uh, captain leader of the team, the Brad Marchand, another older player, uh, Charlie Coyle, uh, who's still 30 but playing relatively strong. Uh, Taylor Hall, again, Looks like he's on the wrong side of 30, at least for when I watch him. Uh, but you've got uh, Pasternak, uh, who's like an all-time goal scorer right now. Um, and then defense, young defenseman, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Carlo there, and then your goaltender, Linus Olmark's having a tremendous year. So I do think the Bruins are built different. I think they are a very good team. Um, I think they are going to go far in the playoffs. I don't think there's going to be a drop-off or you know, trying to break records and then they get swept in the first round. I don't see that happening. I think the Bruins are a very good team. And then lastly, the Masters. Oh, the Masters was great. Uh, I believe it was the most watched Masters in like uh, four years since, you know, Tiger won it. Uh, and it's easy to see why, because you have the built-up live PGA drama uh, going at it. And you had heavyweights. You had John Rahm at the top of the leaderboard, who's part of the big three in the PGA Tour, him, Shuffler, and McElroy. And then you had Phil Mickelson surging late on Sunday. You had, again, the John Rahm versus Brooks Kepka final pairing, PGA versus Liv. So it was exciting. Um, and Rahm rallying, to me, was really, um, I thought, terrific, where Brooks was up day two. Day three, at one point he had a four-stroke lead. Uh, and Brooks, uh, we've talked about him being a major hunter, uh, really choked. Maybe it is the live style, and he only played 54 holes, wasn't used to the 72, but tough conditions, uh, where John Ron was unfazed. I mean, again, a Rambo nickname really does fit him because he went Rambo at Augusta National. He was terrific. 
Uh, congratulations to him. Congratulations to golf, to the PGA Tour especially. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while now, you know my thoughts on the PGA Live, and I'm not a fan of Live at all. Uh, but I thought this was one of the best uh, golf majors in a while in terms of the drama and setup, and I'm looking just as much forward now to the PGA Championship next month in Rochester, New York, where Rory McIlroy is a member, Cameron Young is a member, Justin Thomas is a defending champion, uh, Brooks Koepka has won there twice. Uh, so again, the storylines leading up to that will be a very tough test for these players uh, that can play on live and then the rest of the PGA guys. Uh, I think the four majors this year, it's like must-watch sporting events um, for sure. But this is great. NBA playoffs are starting. I'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you guys then. Bye, everybody.